that describe many of our features if we're in Christ. And the reason I love preaching this is because some of you are new to church, some of you don't yet believe in Jesus. Well, each time you hear one more reason to reconsider, one more reason to get in on Jesus. And the other thing is, you are a Christian, you get given one more reason to rejoice. And I want to give you one more reason to rejoice today. And it's a simple idea that I am in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, is used 200 times. 200 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. I mean, if you were to have a 200 page book that would average one per page, you would assume, okay, that's a pretty big idea in this book. I am in Christ. I am in Christ. And uh, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, I'm going to come to that. But firstly, I want to you to do something unusual. Think of yourself as an onion. You don't smell like an onion. You smell delicious. I hope many of you smell great. But an onion is this idea of layers. And the, the question that our culture obsesses over, I mean, it really is the question of the 21st century, is who am I? It's this chasing after identities. Uh, an idea that's not going away. And I find that helpful to think of ourselves as having many layers. So, so let's imagine the outer layer of your life. How are we thinking about you know, your presentation, the photo, you wear, the car you drive? It's the most superficial part of you, part of your identity. Let's peel away that layer. Well, what's underneath that? Now, now maybe we come to uh, things like your personality type, uh, your blood type, uh, maybe your upbringing. Let's peel that away. Let's start thinking about your character, the, the, the things you, you do, your charitable deeds, how you respond under pressure. I'm not totally sure how we need to layer these in terms of priority. Let's peel, peel away that layer to now. We've definitely got to come to our relationships. We all agree that we are a person through people. Ubuntu, right? A person through person through people. So we think about our closest relationships to our family or our roommate if we're students or um, maybe our spouse if we marry or our friends or our family. So that's the next thing. Well, let's peel that away as well. Now let's think about your beliefs about the world. What do you believe about reality? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the course of history? What do you believe about identity? Let's not go to the middle of this onion. Let's peel that away too. Let's go down deep, deep to your deepest longings, your deepest secrets, your hopes, the things that you're ashamed of, so we've got to the middle of you. If you peel that away, now we've got the you in the presence of God, the you in the sight of God. See, there's the you in the sight of society. People notice the tattoos, the clothing, your um, social media presence. There's the you in the sight of friends. There's the you in the sight of you. You think you know you? Of course, in our lives, trying to discover who we are. But what about you in the presence of God? What about you in the sight of God? Surely that is the pure you. And the amazing thing is, you peel away all these layers according to the New Testament, in the sight of God, the you is someone in Christ. Now, theologians speak about this as our union with Jesus, our union with Christ. It's a gorgeous um, teaching of, of the New Testament. And again, in Ephesians 1, if you just put up the slide, I mean, some 13 times, 11 times in the, in the first 13 verses, about being in Christ. I'll run through it with you. God blessed us in Christ, verse 3. And He chose us in Him, verse 4. God has given us grace 
outpouring to be spirits. Yeah, it's not like there's a dam in heaven that like it's starting to run dry because it's been 50 Sundays in a row and the presence of God poured out. It's a lot more water where that comes from. In Acts chapter 2, you have the first kind of revival in the history of the church when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest from each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then verse 17, Peter stands up and explains to the crowd, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on our servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Our culture is more experiential than rational. You notice how many people are like, it's like a dance. And, a, and a, not just like, you know, we're talking about the hippies revolution and, and like drinking on the side. I'm talking about people that are actually pursuing some kind of enlightenment, some kind of deep, healing, cathartic experience through mushrooms or whatever the psychedelic of choice is. People are more open than ever to experience. How cool it would be at church that when you invite your, your friends you don't normally go to church, they walk in and they go, this is what I've been looking for. Spiritual reality that is not just described intellectually, but is being poured out like fire, like wind, like water. My brother became a Christian because he visited the church in Tableview when he was 21. He went there because a girl invited him. This is the girl who was anti, anti-Christianity. By the end of the meeting, he did become a Christian because he could feel the presence of God. Yeah. <laughs> Julie and I got married 20 years ago, by the way, Thursday was our 20th anniversary. <laughs> we pray, we pray, God, because so many of our friends and family who don't know you, they're coming to the wedding. Please reach out to them. One of Julie's lifelong friends, aunt and her boyfriend at the time, Rowan, came, and they were amongst the non-Christians that were there. She leans over to Rowan halfway through the ceremony and she says, Can you feel it? WhatsApp to us while we're not in our WhatsApp contact us. Somehow I don't be contacted three years ago and say, We can move to Joburg, I need a church. Something about the presence of God that can awaken you. Of course, you need more than the presence of God, you need the declaration of the gospel, which we also get to every Sunday. All this water pouring out on us, it's got to go somewhere. People ask me, why do we have a ministry to the marginalized and the poor? Have we started ministries? I'm like, we will start them in time. Are we going to plant churches? Probably. And my, my, my reason is this, all this water's got to go somewhere. This fire, the wind is blowing, but it's going to go somewhere. And that's the thing about a revival. It's God moving in a place, and then what tends to happen is there's something centripetal. People come because their friends are telling them about it. They heard about it. They come, they go, whoa! They catch fire, and then given enough time, the same spirit that drew them in starts to send them out. Fire is falling, the wind is blowing, the 
players going somewhere. Let's facilitate revival. Let's trust God for a continued and greater outpouring of the Spirit. Let's not run to Sunday meetings. Let's meet together in the presence of God. Let's open our lives and our meetings to, to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So that's my first thing that I want to say to you. What's next? Let's facilitate revival. Secondly, let's prepare for influx. Let's prepare for influx. If you read on in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and he says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in verse 41, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Then this church stops, and it says they were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I know this is difficult for some of us who prefer a smaller church. You prefer a smaller church for very valid reasons. You, you think bigger is impersonal, and I get that, uh, and I share that from the but what happens when God is the one adding people to a community themselves? Not my quick friends. What if you've got some friends and family members or colleagues you really wish they could experience what you experience? Well, if enough of us think like that, what happens is more people come. And um, there has been an influx of people into our church, and it's very exciting. My sense, and it's not my sense, I was, we had this self. There's about six part-time staff now that make up our church. Um, and we were, I was asking them, what is your sense for next year? The dominant answer was coming that, that the staff was saying was, there's a feeling that there's a lot more people coming. There's a lot more people coming. I remember having a vision of like going up onto the top of signal in my mind and looking at it, and the, there were people coming in the door every Sunday, but there was a queue that carried on as long as the eye could see. It's not like the people arriving and stops next week. Like there's no chocolate, we need a lot of them. <laughs> but prepare for the influx, is God's way of saying anticipate it. You know, in Acts chapter 2, you've got 120 people that are the church committed to Christ. Suddenly that number gets much bigger. The 120 are focused on what happens. They're welcoming them in. And if you've got children in primary school, these kids ache if they're not in the group. Then they're in the group. Now their lives are lacquer. Then you say to them, remember the kids that are outside, bring them in too. Remember what it felt like to be outside the group? Bring them in. Never let it be us for no more. Whilst I'm in we, we are right now. No more. Bring people in. He says, as the Bible says, as Christ has welcomed you, so you welcome others. So hopefully we'll get more and more organized in terms of having like a welcome team on a Sunday. But I never want to put too much emphasis on that because I want to remind you that if you are part of the church, you are the welcome team. And you know, arrive on time. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll remind you of this one next year. <laughs> but they look up for people that are new or you haven't met before and just be welcoming. Stay out of the meeting. Don't shoot to your favorite people. That they, you know, then you'll get to them. They'll be around in 20 minutes' time. Just say hi to me. Make it feel welcome. Take them, take them in. Prepare for the influx. And um, we realize that one place where we really maximize the growth is because of is a kids' ministry. You can only have so many children in that in that room. So we are creatively trying to come up with solutions and develop volunteer teams and some of you will volunteer in that space hopefully. Um, but let's prepare for the influx. Let's anticipate more people. 
might speak with some more chairs in this room, or we're going to go to double meetings. Please go! <laughs> I think that I don't know if any, any leader in the leadership team that is, is excited about the thought of going to two meetings. But I, I must say, if the Lord led us to do it, of course we would do it. And if, you know, but I, I, but I just say, you know, that is like not a combined solution for me. Like I, I just don't like the thought of two meetings. I like us all in one place. But we've got to find a way to prepare for the influx. So when I'm in England, influx, I mean, what if by the end of you know, January, February, March, you've got a hundred new people that rock up and we all single their church? By the way, that is my gut feeling what's going to happen. So you're probably going to need to get to come up with a plan, okay? And I want you to suggest solutions. Suggest solutions. Pardon? God will provide, yes. Okay, so that's the second thing. Let's prepare for anyway. The third one is, let's plant nightclubs. Let's plant nightclubs. So just so you know, nightclub was um, invented by Ray and Lee, led the longest lasting nightclub in the church. They charged, they were having another Wednesday night meeting, and which time was it? Um, and Hannah, she says, she says, um, are you guys going to nightclub again? <laughs> and that's where the name came from, because it's pretty cool. Nightclubs are made for small groups. And small groups are important because it's a way for the community. Sunday is that day, you can make friends and you can talk to people, but there's something about connecting in community where you're actually getting to know some people, they're getting to know you, and you really feel connected to the community. You can open up your struggles, you can also close the gap. You have these inspiring sermons about how we need to live our lives on Sunday, but if we're honest, some of us are living in Monday to Friday. With some people we can get honest, we can, we can encourage each other, so that we close the gap between the, what we have on Sunday and the lives we're actually living. And then what we do with nightclubs is we tend to have two 10-week cycles in the year. One starts in late February, the other one in late August. Some of these nightclubs then just end up going permanently. But if you want to be part of a nightclub, come the end of um, February and we hope to have one for you. So just so you know now, we've got and by the way, we see this in Acts chapter 2. They continued to meet together in the temple courts, that's the big meeting. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Homes is a way of bringing people in so that we co-disciple each other. We co-disciple each other. So at the moment, we've got a nightclub in Constantia led by Shay, Mark and Sue. We've got one in Luxembourg led by Anzel. And uh, Nadia and Matt are also instrumental there. We've got one in Mowbray, led by Ray and Lee. We've got one in Pines, led by Brendan and Sandy. We've got uh, one for students in Ronnebosch, led by Tanil and Dan. We've got one in the City Bowl, led by Steph. We've got uh, one in the City Bowl, led by Roy and Lily, although she's about to have a child in next year, so they're asking to hand over leadership to someone else. We've got one in Hart Bay, led by Cole and Jenna. We've got one that's started by Brad and Nina in Chairmonts. And, uh, and uh, when you add together all the families and the kids, you've got like 50 or 40 people on some of the biggest moments. Um, so that's, and, and, and those groups, there's some space in some of them. But I would like to encourage us, those of you that love God and love people, and have got like a 5% of proper neural instinct in your life. What if you would put that into the service of you? And come to us as even say, I'd be good to planting a nightclub. Planting a nightclub. So uh, I can bring in another one in town for families. There's a lot of families. So one in town, I, I think it would be great if we can get one in Seapoint again. 
there's quite a lot of people driving from Tableview, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Edgy, Milderton. Let's just go to stop one, maybe Milderton, somewhere that draws most people in. There is talk about starting one in Somerset West. There's seven people in our church that drive through from Somerset West, actually more than 55 children. We want to start an online group and then whatever other group you think we should start. So let's plant nightclubs. Let's plant nightclubs. And then the fascinating thing when I talk to my other friends and pastors, churches tend to draw people from the locate the, you know, the locale. It's amazing how many of us live in town or seaport and catch back, and a lot of people drive from all the places I've said. Fisher, to Southern West, to Hard Bay, to Mothcourse, people are driving. So I'm excited that we get to plant nightclubs geographically all over the city of Cape Town. And one reason I want us as a church to get good at planting nightclubs is it's our way of developing our muscles to one day plant churches. Just want to leave that thought with you. Okay, and then my fourth let's is this let's make it all about Jesus. Let's make it all about Jesus. You see, when, when the Spirit of God is poured out 120 people, thousands gather around this crowd that are whipped up into a tornado of happiness, worshiping God, praising Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. People then stand up and say, so you know, this is the real thing. This is what Joel the prophet spoke about. This is Heaven coming to earth, Spirit of God being poured out. But then he quickly gets past that point in his sermon, and then he gets to the main point of his famous Pentecost sermon. It says then Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd: "Fellow Israelites, listen to this." Okay, and then there's colon, which is like, "Listen to this." And like, listen to what? Listen to the next word that comes out of his mouth. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, God's Lord and Messiah. Hallelujah. <laughs> the early church made it all about Jesus. There's a lot of interesting dimensions to Christianity. There's a lot of things that we, you could, they're so awesome you could see how they can, we can be tempted to make them the main But let's follow Peter's example as single church into the next year and let's make it all about Jesus. So when we gather together on a Sunday, the big idea in our preaching and our singing is Jesus. For a person who arrives wondering what Christianity is about or comes to church, we do not walk away and think we're like a group of people trying to improve ourselves morally. We can walk away and realize we're, we're fixated with the discovery that the universe is most remarkable human, the God man Jesus. And um, the leadership team, we, were, we met on Monday night and we're busy thinking through what to preach on in the coming year. And you know what we've done the last few years is we choose a mega theme. So, so we did the Sermon on the Mount last year. We did two Corinthians the year before, and this year we did Abraham. You know, that was like 25 weeks compared to our getting Christ, which was only 14 weeks. So, what's our mega theme going to be? 2024. Now, it's going to be Jesus. You come every Sunday next year, 
You're going to learn. You're going to have your head blown back by the person of Jesus, by the work of Jesus. We're going to try to peel off as many layers of it as we can that Scripture will allow us to do. So that you're very clear on the big idea. You're galvanized around the greatness of Jesus. I remember a time when you didn't have these spotlights on Table Mountain. I can't remember what year it was, but spotlights! And, uh, and then the mountain, behold the mountain at night. And you want to look like a day, but at night time, lit up by these spotlights. You know, the, the, the Spirit of God, one of the things He specializes in is giving us a revelation of Jesus. We're a church, we want to pursue the things of the Spirit. But we find that when we pursue the things of the Spirit, the Spirit especially, not only, but especially wants to light up in our mind's eye and our heart's affection, the person of Jesus wants to get us so on the inside of who this person is that we are able then to spread the good news of Jesus into the world. Next year, we anticipate the spotlights of the Holy Spirit poured out, lighting up the mountain that is the man, Jesus Christ. Can I ask you to stand up? Why don't we sing another song? Why don't we just make some space for anything the Holy Spirit might want to say and do? Even if we don't have prophetic words, let's just Lift our minds and our hearts to the person of Jesus Christ. Let's worship Him together.